The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. So we are proud members of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> Monday. Check out these expert plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, <gasps> I know. Arcanist. Yeah. I was gonna say Scouter TF2 heard you talking about it and found a way to put Dreadhorde Arcanist again. Hi, I'm Jake, and I'm Matt, and we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, good enough. Uh, ended up having to work today. Boo. Yeah, wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I mean, do you uh, really count what you do work? Barely. I ha- I have a sub- I have one direct subordinate, and I make him do everything. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you'd be proud. I called Noah today. There. Noah's our direct his direct subordinate, not mine. Noah's actually I my know. direct boss. Noah listens to every episode. Yeah, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I I needed help with something, and I called Noah instead. And Noah was like, "One, why'd you call me? You could text me." And I <laughs> yep. said, "Yeah, I know." And he's like, too, you know Matt worked today, right? And I was like, yeah, I know. It's still supposed to start with him. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, dicked around with work a little bit. Uh, then came home, did some, had to mow the lawn. My backyard's, it's not huge, but when, it's basically the biggest lawn I would want to do with a push mower. So it still takes like 45 minutes to an hour hmm. of pushing. That's and funny. I've got the hill on mine. It takes me about half hour to do mine on my riding lawnmower, and I've got like five x the yard you have. Yep, that's just how slow a push. That's mower how is. slow a push mower is, and it's not even like it's not even a particularly wide one. Mm-mm. And I think I need to sharpen the blade because I'm getting the mohawks. So like, do you need me to bring a grinder out? Sure. You don't have awesome. one, do you? No, I don't. You should just give it to me, and I'll take it home. It's easier to do on mine because I have take- a I have a wall mounted grinder that makes it way easier. Like we can just take the blades off. Yeah, just, cool. So, um. So I did that, and then I was playing Satisfactory, uh, which I was playing when you came over. Um, That's all Matt does is play video games. Uh, it is when I'm into one. Yeah. Uh, I kind of have like peaks and troughs of interest in anything, and it for... makes it makes running a weekly podcast hard sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with Satisfactory, like it hooked me again. So like I've been super into that. Just been. Um, setting up transportation throughout our world uh with hypertubes which are basically if you've seen futurama that's how everyone moves around in futurama within the town of new new york um and that's how you can that's one of the methods of travel for satisfactory so i've been setting up hypertube routes and then started to process uh sulfur into sulfuric acid to make batteries for Mm -hmm. uh drones that's our next kind of big project yep so Matt and uh, our friend Ryan, mostly Matt's friend Ryan, but they've been doing all the, I guess you've been like, you've building all the factory, kind of the grunt work, doing, getting the factories going, getting everything running. And then I came in and did all of the like material organization and transportation. Yeah. So you've got like what, seven, five or six separate factories running. And then I built one grand monorail that hits all of them, loads, unloads, distributes. I built a great big, I mean, it's. Don't Google Satisfactory because mine's not that big. But to us, I, I built a relatively large sorting system. We're sorting probably, what, 40 unique items into double chests to be stored. Yep. And it all runs automatically just all day, every day. 
yeah so it's currently running now making stuff sorting it and anything that's uh we have uh leftovers of or overflow is what it's called just gets deleted Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of what i've been doing just uh playing satisfactory a lot Uh, pretty much with all my free time that's mostly what i did over the weekend i played a lot of satisfactory with you sarah went and spent some time with one of her friends this weekend so we spent most of a day on satisfactory and i even spent a lot of time while you weren't there wrapping things up optimizing tuning getting all that stuff done yeah and it's it's a great game to have multiple people involved i don't particularly like working on the exact same project with other people because we don't no one is going to think exactly alike oh i enjoyed it very much yeah because i couldn't tell if you were trolling me or helping me (laughs) (laughs) i I was just like it's probably a little bit of both we didn't have mics on (laughs) so i would just watch him start building things and go I think I see where he's going. Yeah. <laughs> Start making stuff. Yep. Well, when, when you when you started, you were definitely trolling because there oh, were yeah. conveyor belts everywhere, and I'm like, ah, Jake, yep. <laughs> banned. I was blocking uh, hypertubes and yeah. turning stuff off and deleting segments. But in in general, what I like about it is I find I can do almost anything, whether it's single player or, or multiplayer as far as video games go, if I have people that are even remotely interested in it. So like back in the day, uh, what that boiled down to was like almost every game was single player or at best couch co-op. But what would happen is we'd have, the game would come out and all your friends get it. So like Final Fantasy VII comes out, me, Derek, Joe, Brian, Ryan, Mike, all of us are playing Final Fantasy VII. So we're all playing individually, but then we go to school and we talk about it and whatnot. And that's kind of what I get with satisfactory where like even if you and i weren't working on the same project the fact that you're logging into the same server and interested in the same thing makes me more interested in mm-hmm. it so it's also just fun rolling around and like seeing new stuff up here yep oh i didn't, I didn't tell you so we were having a hard time getting cable into our storage system mm-hmm. i just went over to ryan's base i took two of his copper things that were shut off and i started just I, make I, cable and throw yep, it in yep. yeah i just i started i turned those into i made a little assembly line making cable and just pumped it into the system instead of instead of waiting for ours to fill up eventually yep so yeah i've been having a ton of fun with that um we've had we've run into a couple issues uh, for whatever reason, the highest tier of splitter, which is an item you use to, uh, if you feed a conveyor belt into a splitter, you can then sp- shoot three other conveyor belts off of it and send those items that came in into three different directions. Um, the programmable ones, which is the highest tier, apparently just don't work on dedicated servers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't save your uh, programming, so to speak. It's not really programming, but just for... You that's just tell it, I want these items to go left, these items to go Correct. right, and these items to go to the center. It doesn't save those settings. Um, so you just can't use them. That sucks, <laughs> to be perfectly yeah, honest. As, as things get complicated, they would be very useful. Right. So you can, like, it prevents you from feeding a bunch of different items down one line and then kind of splitting them off. And you can still, you can replicate a programmable splitter with smart splitters, uh, but that becomes a huge ordeal. Well, and a smart a, splitter, you can just do one each. One item per direction. Yeah, you could only go, like, I want to send copper ingots left, iron ingots straight, and uh, aluminum ingots to the right. Yeah. Whereas with the programmable one, you could go, you know, copper and iron ingots go to the left, cable and aluminum ingots go whatever. You yeah. can do multiples. And you can, from what I've read, I haven't done it, but you can... With enough space, replicate a programmable one with a with a mm-hmm. series of smart ones. I don't want to do that. No, <laughs> <That's> too much. <laughs> I just want my item to work. 
Uh, so yeah, we've had a cut. There's been a couple issues. There's obviously with it not being on a local game, you have a little bit of latency involved there. Uh, when you get moving on the hyper tubes pretty quickly, I tend to lag out a little bit. Um, so like there's been a couple times where it's, I just can't do anything, so I just have to log out. <laughs> I came on the other day, and Matt had like built a bunch of stuff and sat on top of one of the things, and the system wasn't working, and so I was going to get it running. And you can't you can't move people, and you can't build on top of them. Yeah, and when you log out, it leaves you just like sitting. it leaves your character just sitting in yeah. a location. So he, <laughs> I worked for like half an hour trying to figure out how to work around him, and I texted him, and I was like, "You literally could not have logged out in a worse spot." Yeah, so. It was it was funny to me. So yeah, we just I've just I've been having a blast playing Satisfactory. Um, I think the next big project is going to be getting drones to work. Uh, I did a basically some cursory research. Uh, apparently, they're very good for moving. They don't have a big inventory. Mm-mm. They only hold like eight stacks. Yeah, but they're they're what you would do to run like well realistically since we already ran a monorail around the world. Like you're supposed to. You're supposed to use the drones for that, yeah. I think. Well, uh, you can use them for some things. The The monorails, from what I've read, are more efficient for what we've done. But one of the big things about the drones is they don't take damage from certain things. And um, when it's being car- when items are being carried by a drone, for whatever reason... So the, the big one, I'll just get to the point, uranium. When you're transporting oh. uranium on a conveyor belt or in a train... It irradiates everything. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter with a drone. So you can set the drone um, ports up where the, the uranium is and where it needs to go, and you can just drone the uranium or the nuclear waste or whatever without having to get close to it. Because like, if you walk past a conveyor belt that has uranium on it, mm-hmm. you start taking damage. Gotcha. That makes so sense. That's one of the big uses. Um, it's also apparently they're they're designed. They get more efficient the longer. Uh, um, the farther distance they travel. So they're really good for moving a medium amount of items a really long way. So, yeah, I'm excited to get that going. He's excited to get me the stuff so I can start building it and get it going. No, I'll probably tinker with Oh, you I mean, they seem pretty simple. You pipe in what you want. um, You tell it where... Because the the difference is like... Like, I've done trains, but there's a lot of moving parts with the trains, and the tracks themselves are kind of annoying. Uh, then you have to deal with terrain and whatnot. Like, there's trains are kind of a hassle. They're more rewarding, but they're a hassle. In theory, if all I wanted to do was move part A from location one to two, you build a drone port, you pipe in part A, you build a second drone port, you tell it to go there, and, like, mm-hmm. that's all you had to do. So they're pretty straightforward. They're just not quite as versatile. Yeah. So I'll probably start messing around with them. I look, I look forward to tinkering with it. I'm having yeah. fun playing Satisfactory. It's it's a lot of good. It's a lot of fun right now. Yeah. So that's basically what I've been doing yep. all week. The only other thing I did was we did have Pioneer last night. We record on Tuesdays, so uh, I had a lot of fun hanging out. We got to play a couple games. We ended up getting a couple Commander guys because the shop I go to, this it's Sage Shop, is really Commander oriented for its player base. I think, but we had a couple people walk up being like, "So like, what's Pioneer?" I spent like an hour and a half chit chatting and you know talking about like what you know what differentiates because like these guys had never played anything other than a commander so they had yeah. no idea it was it was super cool to them that you got to run more than one copy and oh like it like he was like oh and, yeah. you're, and you're not stuck on colors are you and like no you can run whatever colors you want there's no color identity so I ended up hanging out for a few hours after we stopped and like I helped the guy design a pioneer deck he wants to do like a 
like a mini reanimator style deck. I think he's running uh, 12 main board discard effects. So I think he wants to run, he's running Agonizing Remorse because he doesn't have Thoughtseize. It's just a two mana Thoughtseize. Yep. Uh, four Duress and four Inquisition of Kozilek. Gotcha. And then a uh, bunch of kill spells. And then some fun reanimate spells to reanimate some fatties and win that way. Yeah, but that's what he, that's like that's what he he's wanted to build that, and I was like, yeah, sure. I think he plugged it in, and like without his, it's mono black without the land without lands, it was like forty eight bucks. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, that's I think so. He built it the first time, and it came out to like a hundred and eight dollars. And I was like, well, where's all your money? And it was like seventy five dollars in thought seasons. Yep. And I was like, oh yeah, just take those out. Yeah. And boom, now you've got. <laughs> well, especially if all you're doing is trying to like figure out if you enjoy playing sixty card decks. Yes. Well, as so we were telling them, like first of all, just proxy up a deck, guys. Like if you, because like, buying a deck is hard. Even though the decks are on the low end, fifty bucks up to a five hundred bucks, but even fifty bucks, like I don't know if you're gonna like it. Yeah. So just proxy a deck. Just go print some stuff out, proxy it up, and come play. We don't, we don't care. And I think we got. At least one of them, he'll probably be there, and the other one, he's thinking about proxying something up to come play. Ooh. So working on growing. Matt and I are working on, uh, it was my idea, but Matt's, I think, on board. We're going to try and start sponsoring our local Pioneer group. Uh, I'm definitely on board. Matt may or not be. I don't give a shit what he wants to do. Yeah. But I, I want to start like giving back to our local community. Um, obviously, if we had Legacy, I would want to, although I probably couldn't afford to sponsor a Legacy group. <laughs> But we're trying to get Pioneer going, and so like we're gonna. I, the goal is that we'll start like chipping into the pot every week. If we start getting like a little five dollar buy in, if we can have ten people, fifty bucks, we'll chop in like fifty bucks to help kind of raise that raise that pot and give people some more incentive to come play. So we're really looking forward to like growing our local Pioneer community, and I'd love nothing more than to see it like evolve into like people play some Pioneer. They decide to like it, maybe try Modern out. Guys, just proxy it up. It's fine. Maybe try legacy out. Just proxy it up. It's fine. And I really, right. I'd love to see this community grow and like get more and more people. Because if we can get Pioneer up to ten or fifteen people, if I can just find three or four of those people, they're like, yeah, I give legacy a shot. Now we could have like maybe four or five people playing legacy every week. Then we get that to grow. Mm-hmm. We could start having proxy tournaments. Yeah. So like on top, I mean, I'm being very selfish. Like I'm trying to grow this because I want to get legacy out of it. But I also just really enjoy getting to play Pioneer with people. So well, it's like everybody wins. That's the thing with me, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so pro-proxy is like, how the heck are you going to convince that Pioneer guy who just cut Thoughtseize from his deck mm-hmm. to drop $5,000 on a Legacy deck? Yeah, or like, even even 500 bucks on a modern deck, a cheap right. modern deck. So that, And like, it's that... It's the people who are like, I've never played anything except Commander. The dude has like eight Commander decks. He's a baller when it comes to Magic. I was looking through that. He's got Vampiric Tutors. He's got... Um... Yeah, so he's not afraid to spend money on no, cards. No, he's, he's got a lot of money in cards. But it's a, it's convincing him to be like, well, spend... You, you got like you got Commander decks worth, you know, 600 bucks. We'll just spend that on a deck in a format you've never played before. Right. And in a, in a way of playing he's never even played. He's yeah. only ever played Commander. Or just go to Staples, because you don't have a printer... Spend ten bucks, print out a bunch of stuff, and put them in front of islands, and it's fine. Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm really hoping that we can get. Although you should put them in front of swamps because there's enough islands in Legacy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now we're just doing Pioneer, and it's fine. Put them in front of Lotus Fields. There you go. All righty, Matt, you ready to get going? Sure. So before we get started, I want to give a first shout out to our patrons. Uh, we have a new patron this week, Joe, uh, from the Family Gathering Podcast, also signed up to help support us. So we will have Derek and Joe supporting us on the Patreon and can't describe how much it really helps us and how much I really appreciate everyone who, one, uh, consumes our content and supports us that way, and two, takes it one step further to 
support us in a more like direct fashion. Yeah. Speaking of direct fashion, we did get a really, really cool mail day from, you heard me shouting out, there's a, uh, he wanted to be just referred to as Kyle from Canada. We were talking a while ago about how much I love Monastery Mentor and yada yada. And he has some Johanna Voss and some RK Post tokens that he got signed at a GP like eight years ago sitting in a binder. And he was like, do you guys want these? And I looked at the the Monastery Mentor tokens and I was like, yeah, I really do. I really <laughs> want those. Didn't even let me help pay for shipping. He just, out of the goodness of his heart, sent them to us. So I got a really cool stack of just the most beautiful Monastery Mentor tokens I've ever seen. They are my Monastery Mentor tokens forever. Nothing will ever trump them because not only are they beautiful, they were given to me by a fan. Uh, my my opponents will bow in terror at the might of my amazing Monastery Mentor tokens and not got some zombies. Yeah, I got some sweet zombies. Uh, they're okay. They're super cool. Nothing compared to my Monastery Mentor eh, tokens. Monastery Mentors. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a uh, uh, zombie EDH deck, mm-hmm. I guess uh, the Ghoul Caller deck, where basically I just found as many zombie tokens as I could, and the whole goal of the deck is just to run out of zombie mm-hmm. tokens, which I've done multiple times, 50 yep. or 60 zombies. Just the, the cool thing about the deck is it kind of plays a little bit like a zombie apocalypse, yes. where it's very kind of slow, and then it just, they start to multiply. And it then gets out of hand quickly. Yeah. It's a snowball-y kind of deck. Uh, so those are going straight in there. Um, so thanks again. Yeah. It was, it was it was a, a really, Canada. really cool gift. It, it's Matt and I are regularly surprised that people... Not only enjoy our content, it's but weird act- to have fans like like actually want to help support it or give us gifts. It was yeah. incredibly kind. So tons of I appreciate the Family Gathering podcast, Derek and Joe. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate Kyle in Canada. Thank you so much. I also appreciate Will and Aramis at the Plain Suckers podcast. So we are proud members of the Plain Suckers podcasting network. Blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> Monday, <laughs> check out these expert plugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, as our as our stuff gets bigger, theirs gets smaller. Yep. But Monday and Wednesday at twitch.tv forward slash podcast, you can check out Will and Aramis. Monday is their Everything You Need to Know About Standard podcast, much like ours, a weekly podcast where they keep an eye on things. Wednesday is their Live Play Commander uh, podcast they do on Spelltable. Discord.planesockerspodcast.com is where you'll want to go to keep an eye on any of that stuff, maybe join in a Commander game. Will is really adamant about getting new people in that haven't played and want to check it out. And also head over there to keep an eye out for like any new... Winnebox tournaments. So we got a few months before we get into a new standard legal set, but every standard legal set, they do a Winnebox where you can join in the tournament for free and just play to win a box. And they're, the store that sponsors them just ships out a box to whoever wins. So it's really cool. On top of a fun community full of tons of people that play pretty much every format at this point. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting before we get going? No, I think we're ready to complain about Legacy. All right, Matt. How's <laughs> Legacy looking? Um, <clears throat> As a format, for the whole weekend, not too bad. If you're looking about at Wait, the the challenge could, that we're going to talk about, it's not great. You can see the challenges had a fifty-fifty <laughs> shot of being okay. So, from the past couple of weeks, it looks like if you just want to have fun with Legacy, play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, the Saturday meta looked really solid. There's still there's still a decent amount of Delver, um, but it's not like oppressive. Like the Saturday one had six out of the top thirty-two. That's still a lot, but not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Um, and you've got like, uh, just to just as a contrast, we don't normally do this, but I just want to talk about it as a contrast. The top eight is eight cast elves, four color control, oops all spells, sneak and show, death and taxes, uh, blue red delver, Jeskai control. So that's pretty diverse. Eight different decks in the top eight. Um, then we go to Sunday, <laughs> which 
which is what we're actually going to talk about. Um, and then we've got Twinless Twin bringing it home with Jeskai Control. Uh, we'll just do what, he, what we normally do. This is the whole Breacher Days Undoing. Again, it's not quite as, doesn't go quite as deep as the like dedicated Days Undoing decks, but it has it in there. Um, Narset is part of the veil. It's the, well, we usually see one of two. Either there's usually like four and four, maybe three and three. Yeah. Like Hull Breacher and Narset. Or there's one and one. Yeah. There's like one Hull Breacher, one Days Undoing, or maybe one Hull Breacher, one Narset, one. This is like it's actually He's a really kind of splitting the difference a little bit. Very much in the middle where we've got um what three Narset, two Hall Breacher, and three days undoing. Two, or days, sorry, undoing. two days undoing. Yeah. So yeah, definitely kind of that middle ground where people are just splashing the combo in a decent Jeskai deck, and there are people that are running the days undoing deck. And this uh twinless twin is definitely kind of in the middle there. Yeah. So um Snapcaster Mage, Hole Breacher, Timeless Dragon. So love to see Timeless Dragon seeing some play. Um Wandering Emperor, again, called that out. A lot of this stuff, there's nothing terribly new going on in mm-hmm. this. Um, I've been tinkering with my modern deck, uh, it's a modern reanimator deck, and I put Snapcaster in it because like, it's just a fun card, and I run the reanimate spells, so it lets you double up on reanimate spells and other things. But yeah. it's just, it was, I, I, just, it's, I love seeing Snapcaster as well, so much I'm forcing it in places it probably shouldn't be. Um, this is something I, to be perfectly honest, I never thought I would see, and it's being see, seeing a little bit of play, but this guy's got one mystical dispute in the side. Card's that, good. It's, I mean, that just tells you how much blue is in this meta. Yeah. Where, like, people are now willing to pay for counter spells that aren't even hard counters mm-hmm. because there's so much blue. In fairness, uh, Mana Drain is a hard counter most of the time in Legacy. It's not a hard counter. You mean Mana Leak? Uh, what did I say? You said Drain. Which is Sorry. A- well, no, I mean, because Mystical Dispute's Mana Drain. No, it's Mana Leak. It's Mana Leak. Man- mana, mana Drain drains the one that you it get steals mana. mana. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Mana Leak. <clears throat> yeah, and those are, if I remember correctly, Mana Drain's actually banned in, in Legacy? Legacy. Yeah, that's hilarious. Well, it'd be pretty good. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if Mystical Dispute see in play, <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd probably take Mana Drain over <laughs> you'd that. Probably I don't use know. Mana Drain. <laughs> but yeah, so Mana Leak, like three mana to get your spell out is is probably unpayable in Legacy. Yeah. I mean, fuck, Days is good because it's one. Force right. Spike is good. But uh, I, I like Mystical Dispute. I, not that I'm not saying the meta is healthy for having it. It's a cool card that I think is a really fun thing to see. Um, well, it's one of the things that drives me nuts about the way Magic has is just been designed kind of almost from the beginning. The best way to beat Blue is just to pay, play Blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, that kind of drives me nuts. Yeah, I've, the... uh, I've been a bit, big ag- advocate of other colors being able to interact with the stack. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a fundamental design flaw that um, Magic has had since its inception, where with very few exceptions, other colors can't interact on the stack. Yeah, I think that's a problem. Um, Not in a meaningful way. There's tons of things. Every, yeah. every color hits the stack. I like, mean, we're staring down the big one, which is Pyroblast. Yeah, but like that's a, again, those are more color hate things. Like, um, there's a. There's a card called like Life Force, which is a two green enchantment. You can pay two to counter a black spell. Mm-hmm. There's also well, Death Grip, which is the inverse of that. In everything, there is like a few examples. Yeah, and then Blue just has counter spell, Force Will, yeah. Force of Negation, Example, <laughs> examples innumerable because yes. there's so many of them. Whereas yeah. like you can be like, there's like three red spells that legit counter a spell. Yeah, like I've always, I've honestly kind of wondered what magic would be like if every color got a pyroblast, but it just, it didn't hit every other color. They yeah. all just hit blue. Yeah, they all hit. 
Well, it, it, it basically also was, they all had like is there an, is there a is there a blast for every enemy color set? Like I don't think there is. That, like, that would be cool too. Though. Yeah. Like so like I mean our uh, so like Simic. It'd be cool if green had a blue blast and blue had a green blast. Yeah. And just for everything. So every single color got access to counter its its arch enemy color according to the cards with um but for one mana. That'd be chaos. Now we're now we're getting into the realm of you only play five color because you have the best answers. And it's it's looking a lot like uh what's that well, I would say spell that costs one? I would say bounce it uh the Phyrexian. I can't oh. think of the name. Oh, m- mental misstep. Yeah, you're looking at mental well, misstep metas. Yeah, well, let, let, let's remove the destroy part of it. Let's say it's yeah. just counterspell. Yeah, but like I, that's something I think would be interesting, and just expanding the. Yeah, it's obviously a terrible like, idea. To me, the color pie, it's one of the best things about Magic, but it also is actively holding back design because. I mean, uh, white is the meme example mm-hmm. where they're just like, well, white gets to do these things and only these things. Yeah. And like well, they're it, like, oh, we printed a card that lets white draw three cards. Yeah, but it also lets its opponent yeah, draw it's three still, cards. It's still negative card. It's still card disadvantage. Right. Like every color gets the ability to draw cards and then white gets the ability to maybe play catch up. Right. So, you only, so green gets to just draw cards if it has a big creature and is ahead on board. White only gets to draw cards if it's losing. Right. And it further makes you lose and on top of that what they've done um i guess this is just going to be a color pie rant they it's okay we don't don't have time anyway they've they've gone okay white gets x y and z and then they go well x y and z aren't fun so we're never going to print them anyways so they're like oh well white gets taxing effects well we can't have uh like oppressive taxing effects they get mass land destruction they get mass removal they get like yeah. all these things and then they just go well those effects aren't fun so they we're never going to print any good ones yep. like we we printed the best will ever be and they're never going to do any more right and the best that they're going to be isn't good enough right like armageddon isn't good enough anymore four mana board wipe right it's so. not strong enough Anywho, the oh. reason I went so long on that is uh, the next three decks are Blue Red Delver, and yeah. I quite frankly don't want to talk about them. We are going to go through, uh, we're a bit of a time crunch today. I've got some stuff going on. So we're going to try and go through a little faster because we do need to yeah. um, set aside extra time at the end to get some Patreon only content. The uh, One of these decks ran a one of of Mist Hollow Griffin, which I thought was kind of interesting. We, so Matt started talking to me about it, and he like listed the things off, and I was like, holy shit, this card actually synergizes with half this deck really well. Yeah, so you can pitch it to six of your forces. Yep. Uh, you can exile it with um, Expressive Iteration. Mm-hmm. You can delve it away mm-hmm. with uh, Murktide Regent, and a heck of a lot of the removal in the format is exile removal yeah. so like it's, that card is actually not that bad it's a four mana three three that's pretty bad but the idea that you can get some pseudo card advantage with it by getting access to this resource after you've used it for something else like yeah. pitching it to force of will or delving it with murktide it fuels your murktide coming out because you turn one drc turn two mill it over turn three or four play a drc or a drc a murktide and then turn five Maybe cash and miss Hologriffin because you're out of stuff. Yeah. And, and then they, Im- they swords it and you cast it again. Yeah. It's important to note that it's also in the Delverless Delver deck, yeah. the No Delver, which is actively trying to play a little bit more of the grindy game. A little bit. So that makes sense that you would have it in there. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, your traditional Blue Red Delver deck, almost at no point, even if they can get, quote, card advantage out of it, wants to pay four mana for a Delver. So what did they. What three cards did they bring in? The three 
the so probably I think I think they were on two bobbles. So we have a third. We're we're basically down three delvers. Yep. So we've got one extra bobble. I don't even know what else we're like. We got extra, maybe one extra land. Don't these run eighteen lands? Uh, I think traditionally speaking, they do. So like maybe, and then I guess maybe the unholy heat or the pyroblast. No. Uh, the winner or the guy in second got nineteen. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, a couple miles. Like we're talking about Delver too much. It just yeah. occurred to me. I was like, there's three extra cards in this deck, and I don't know where they necessarily are because I see a lot of four ofs, but those are already four ofs. Looking at the just looking at the other lists compared to those, they brought in Force of Negation. That's that's the big one. Oh, the other ones don't main. Oh, is Force of Negation sideboard? Typically speaking. Oh, so gotcha. Which again, that's that missed holographin makes sense there. Yeah. So now you've got six main deck forces, four expressive iterations, four Merc Tides. Yeah. And it becomes, um, it was just a little clever thing. And I didn't, even though it's boring to talk about Delver every week, that is a clever innovation and it deserved a shout out. It is. Um, How about fifth place? Fifth place. So yes, second, third, and fourth were Delver. Fifth place, uh, if I remember correctly, was Red Prison. And it's got oh, the. I I need to tell you a story. Gotcha. Um, Go for it. Yesterday at Pioneer, I was talking. I would talk to people about our podcast, and I'm like, "Hey, you can listen if you want. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. Don't worry about it." One of the dude pulled it up, and he's like, he looked at it and goes, "Delver go burr." That's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> people like my titles, Matt. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I saw that. I because uh, I was gonna. I, I when you said that, I was like, "Hot Delver go burr," and I was like, oh, "Someone else thought that was funny." <laughs> Fuck you, Matt. People think I'm funny. Person, person <laughs> thinks you're funny. I can confirm. Person thinks I'm funny, you and got he one, and he's probably listening. I feel bad. I forgot. His, I think he told me his name, and I forgot. I'm sorry, but well, that just cancel it out. He's not your fan anymore. I'll see you on Monday, dude. And and points to you. Yep. Um. Anyway, fifth place. Yeah. So fifth place, we've got Mono Red Prison. Uh, this is the unlicensed hearse, uh, fable, uh, of the Mirror Breaker build that seems to be the standard now. Uh. Which makes sense. I those two cards, in my opinion, are fantastic for this deck. Um, the fable just does all kinds of things. It potentially ramps you, gives you a threat, filters through cards, which this deck does not do mm-hmm. um, yeah. otherwise. And card, then eventually, card draw of any kind, even at a disadvantage, is well, good. Well, and especially, well, it's not even necessarily a disadvantage because like you're getting the other things too. So like, yeah, you, it's true. You you do draw. T- to or discard two and then draw two, but you've got a creature out of this, and so I mean you're kind of even. That's true. Um, whereas like faithless looting is card disadvantage, mm-hmm. sort of. I mean the it, way absolutely. on paper yeah. it's card disadvantage. It's never actually card disadvantage, but it's card disadvantage on paper. Um, so yeah, I, the unlicensed hearse is exactly what this deck needed. I think uh, just a good interaction because the graveyard's so important mm-hmm. early on, and then a a way to close out the game late. Yep. Solid. Yeah. Six Blood Moon six Blood Moons, two Trinosphere, and four Chalice. The number of games you're gonna start the game off with, with, with sorry, without a taxing effect is well, all that means you should have mulliganed again. Right. So I'm glad to see it. And yes. be, uh, the Legacy needs more like hard taxes and hard stacks effects. Yep. Because that's how we need to we need to I, I shouldn't say we. I, I think that's a good way to try and Hopefully, chop Delver down is more stacks, more jail effects, more prison effects. Yeah, and while this particular tournament isn't um, a decent example of it, although there is one, what we've seen is the 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 tournaments where Delver isn't doing good are the ones where Chalice is in play. Mm-hmm. So, like again, that doesn't necessarily mean that the current metagame is great, but it's not unbeatable. Yeah. Um, 
in sixth so, place. So you're saying we shouldn't ban anything? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sixth place, we it's listed as Esther's Esper Stoneblade. No, it's Esther now. <laughs> yeah, Esther. It's an old lady. <laughs> oh, I've got my cephalid breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what this I'm gonna is. I'm going to bring back my Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, so we're using Nomads of Encore and Cephalid Illusionist as the one, two. There's a, a couple others like Shuko and whatnot. <laughs> so, again, I tell a story again. Um, I knew this deck existed. I've lost against it many times online. Uh, I never knew what Cephalid Breakfast was until you just said that. Yep. I never put together that it's called Cephalid Breakfast. Well, and it used to be a little bit more of a dedicated list. Because it runs Cephalid Illusionist. Yep. Again, I knew this deck existed. I knew how it worked. And I've heard people. That's one of those things where everyone mentions Cephalid Breakfast. And it's like. Well, I couldn't. The, the, a week or two ago, I couldn't remember the name of the deck. And I kept going, what was that called? Yeah. Like, I knew what it was, but uh-huh. I was like. And then I, it, it was, just popped in my head. What I was going to say was, it was one of those things where it's like, I feel like I should know this. And I don't. And now I'm too scared to ask. <laughs> We're going to pull your legacy <laughs> card. Everyone. If we find out that you don't, I know, don't what know what Cephalid Breakfast is. <laughs> Nope, you're not a legacy player anymore. Um, well, the cool thing to me is this deck was around. It, it really wasn't around a ton back when I started playing. Like it had even kind of fallen out of favor then. But um, so, like, uh, just to point that out, on the right of the website, it's got like Cephalid Breakfast listed, and you're talking about like 2013, 2014, 2015. Mm. Uh, the one that's actually listed as Cephalid Breakfast was 07. Gotcha. So, like, this is exciting to me because it's a resurgence of an old deck. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like when Doomsday came back into fashion yep. and when, um, for a, it was kind of a flash in the pan, but, like, High Tide was a mm-hmm. thing for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, not green High Tide, side Norna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, talk about, Matt. It makes a bunch of mana and it draws a bunch of cards. Seems like High Tide to me. Yeah. So. You know what High Tide needs? Gaia's Cradle. <laughs> hell Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm just excited to see Cephalid Breakfast. We have fans we can reference in our podcast it's now. A, we've made it. We, we have a repertoire. It, and there are people listening for the first time going, what the fuck, guys? Talk about the damn challenge. Yeah. Shut up, Jake. Let's talk about Cephalid Breakfast. <laughs> What's that? Uh, Like I said, Nomad is of Encore. Uh, it's a one mana, one one. You can pay zero, redirect one damage from it to a creature you control. Uh, the way the actual text reads it's like the next damage it would take to target creature Mm -hmm. and since it costs zero you can repeatedly target it you can infinitely target a thing yep which is cephalid illusionist whenever it becomes a target of a spell or ability mill three that's the important text uh you mill three or you mill your basically your whole deck you're gonna hit three narco amoebas you get to flashback dread return to get thassa's oracle win the game yep um that they've sandwich that combo within Esper Vile. Mm-hmm. And that's what's interesting here is this like this deck can it it's not going to play anything like elves, but it reminds me a lot of elves where it has that like solid plan A and a solid plan B and you mm-hmm. just play whichever. Now obviously you're going to like there are, lean in matchups towards different styles, yeah. but you have to kind of like play what your deck gives you. It's also a Yorion deck, also. Yes, yeah, so it's like you have you, 80 cards. You're, so you, you've got this big pile of cards. You have room. <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be games where you are a bad vile deck because you have these Cephalids or these Nomads stuck in your hand, but there's also games where you're going to be going Recruiter into Recruiter into Palace Jailer. Yeah. and Or, you know, Recruiter into um, Glasspool Mimic on your Stoneforge Mystic, or who knows. Yeah. So it's just a super cool deck. I really, really enjoy the deck from a design perspective. Um, and it runs on Earth, so I love it. 
yeah, I mean, I'm, awesome. I'm trying so hard to make Esper monastery mentor work because I want to run on Earth. More mystical disputes. Maybe. Uh, maybe. No, in the side. It's got more. It's oh, got... I thought you were telling me to run more mystical disputes. Oh, that wouldn't hurt either. It probably wouldn't. Apparently, it's not hurting these guys. Yeah. Or ladies. But, uh, yeah, I just, I love the fact that this is a deck. Yeah, it's... this is, well, this is what it was like when we were talking about modern for a while. Um, modern's a little worse right now. Although today was, today was the, the, the challenge we're talking about today wasn't too bad. But it was just a lot of like, oh my gosh, that deck's a thing. Oh my gosh, that deck's a thing. It's really fun talking about things like, I don't know. Goblins in seven. I know, and it's not act. It's not like the best goblin oh, deck this where was, it's red prison. This is straight goblin yes. tribal. I, we also forgot this isn't even a legacy challenge. This was a showcase. Yeah, this is a showcase challenge. This was a this was a big tournament. Yeah. So and eighth place is even cooler than this. I know eighth place is gonna blow your freaking mind if you haven't seen it before you re- air this podcast. Yeah. Um, we've got straight goblins, red black goblins, mostly red. There's a couple black cards in here. Um, we haven't talked about goblins at all. So I kind of want to go, not super deep on this, but go over some of the big things here. Uh, so it's primarily a tribal deck. It actually is a tribal deck, meaning mm-hmm. there are goblin-specific effects. Um, it's an ether vial deck, traditionally speaking. You want to get that those fast starts and that mana advantage. It also, traditionally speaking, takes advantage of Wasteland and Rashadden Port. Yeah. This one only has one Rashadden Port, but it's, it's, it's almost like a red death in taxes. Yes. And instead of being... Um, like a hard control deck, though it's trying to like slow your opponent down and then just get a bunch of goblins and win. The so, the mistake I made a hundred percent when I started playing against goblins is I did not recognize that goblins is a grindy deck. Goblins is designed to outgrind you. Yes, because uh, it look because it feels like an aggro deck because it's playing the and on the list it looks like an aggro deck. Tons of one mana, two mana, one ones and two twos, and you get to aggro out some big stuff. You get to you get to cheat out some big stuff. And you have these, you have some bigger finishers with like Muxus and whatnot. But it's, I mean, it can obviously play aggro, but it's not. It's grind. It's wasteland and Rashadden port, and just wear you away. It has tons of card advantage with uh, Goblin Matron getting you things like what's that four mana one? The big one is Ringleader. R- Goblin Ringleader, which oftentimes is four mana two two with haste, draw three cards. Yeah. So at ETBs, you reveal the top four, and you get all all the Goblin cards into your hand. Mm-hmm. The rest go on the bottom. And it's a two two haste. Yeah. And this and it has so many like main board. Um, answers to stuff, things like uh, Goblin Trash Master or what's a Crater Maker, the ability mm-hmm. just to answer. Main board be able to answer so many issues. I mean, you're and you're running 29 creatures in the main. Yeah. Like, how is this not an aggro deck? And it's not. It's yep. it, it is grind. And I mean, like, it, it casts Muxus plenty often, just hard cast, tap six. Yep. Or it also plenty often gets a vial to six. Yeah. The, uh, for a while, when Muxus came out, there was a lot of turbo Muxus builds that yes. were leaning on like City of Traders and Ancient Tombs really hard. Mm-hmm. And you would also, typically speaking, run Chalice of the Void in there. So in case, so you have that turn one where you get to Chalice for one, and then you're trying to get up to six for turbo Muxus. Uh, this is just a typical, a little more typical of a Goblin build. Uh, it does have Muxus in there, but it's only two of. Yep. So like the deck isn't leaning on it per se like a Turbo Muxus is. Uh, the one card we haven't mentioned yet and is kind of the one of the most powerful cards in the deck is Goblin Lackey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 1-1 one, one for one. When it deals combat damage to a player, you can choose a Goblin card from your hand and put it into yep. play. It is this deck's force <clears throat> check. Yes. You have to either, you have to force, force or it or, or kill it. Yeah. Which obviously it's susceptible to removal, but yeah, turn one Lackey, um, connect is oftentimes game over. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you go turn one lackey connect Muxus, 
GG. But even things like if but you, like a if, matron or getting your your ringleader mm-hmm. or like that kind of stuff is huge. Mm-hmm. Not to mention you can just get some of the more expensive stuff that's like the Goblin Lord. So if you get a Trash Master out and you don't have to pay four for that, that's yeah. a huge advantage in and of itself. Yep. So yeah, I'm I couldn't be more happy to see goblins. They've they've kind of been not in like a gameplay perspective, but from like a lore perspective, elves nemesis forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love tribal decks. I've said it multiple times. Yep. So actual yeah. tribal decks are one of the best things to do in Magic. In my Muxus is one of those another card where it's like that card is way too good. Muxus is way too strong, but it's totally fine because it takes a lot of restrictions to get there. Right. You have to. It it only matters if you're playing goblins and a lot of them. Yeah. Like it's not like. Red prison amount of goblins where you have rabble master and the mm-hmm. other guy war boss. Yeah, like that's not enough goblins. You need twenty nine freaking goblins. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be running a goblin deck, and even then, he's still beatable. He's just very, very good. Yep. You st- and you do get bad flips. Yeah, but like it's just that card is so strong, the, and he still costs six too. And he does still cost six. Sometimes he costs one. Could you imagine <laughs> if Al Sor Shepherd cost six? How he w- how broken that card wouldn't be? Right. <laughs> <laughs> We do have Unlicensed Hearse and Fable of the Mirror yes. Breaker as well. That's the thing is like those in the current meta, if you expect the game to go long and you're trying to win through the red zone, mm-hmm. I think you should probably consider Unlicensed Hearse. I thought like, about it. I, I miss my, I bought my wife one of the, I think I told my wife's a mortician, so I bought her like a super pimped out version. Uh, I didn't buy any more and I kind of wish I had. Yeah, it's. I'm debating like running it in the sideboard of my like Azorius or Jeskai control decks as Graveyard Hate. Yeah. Like, because it's good Graveyard Hate that I can. I mean, for me personally, like um, Monastery Mentor herself, cru- his self cruise it or Snapcaster cruise it. And when you mm-hmm. can. Uh, I've seen a couple games in Modern where like it just goes unchecked for six turns while they're like battling. And then it's like, oh, yeah, take 12. Right. And the oh, big geez. thing with me, it's unlicensed hearse is going to be one of those cards where its power waxes and wanes a little bit based mm-hmm. on graveyards. Uh, graveyards have almost never been better. The only well, uh, let me counter that with slow graveyards yeah, that's what I have mean. never been better. Slow graveyards have never been better. Yeah, and this card is fantastic against slow graveyards. Yes, it is. Obviously, there were times when yeah, Reanimator was the only thing to be doing. This does jack shit against Reanimator mostly. Yeah, but that's not what we're fighting right now. We're fighting Merktides. We're fighting DRCs with uh, Delirium. This card's good. Well, and one of the nice things, one of the reasons why I think it's seeing play both in Prison and this, um, it's a little better against Reanimator when you can drop it on turn one. Like in a traditional deck, mm. like if you have to wait till turn two to play it, then it's kind of like eh. Yeah. But a lot of these decks are going City of Traders. Yes. And then all of a sudden, that's live. Like, it, getting two. Yeah, if you're on the play. And they're targets. Like, yeah. that's good. If they're on the if you're on the play with Ancient Tombs, mm-hmm. it's not bad. And even on the draw, you might be fast enough. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Reanimator doesn't go off every game on turn one. Mm-mm. In fact, a lot of times, it's not even the best play to go off on turn one. Mm-hmm. A, and a guaranteed turn two is almost always better than a risky turn one. Yeah. Especially with Grizzlebrand. They just win so big. Like, if I can guarantee that I'm going to get it on turn two, then yep. yeah, I'm probably just going to wait. So, yeah. Especially against something like Goblins. <clears throat> if you didn't see the hearse, you might be you might feel comfortable oh, yeah, waiting a turn gonna or go, two. Yeah, you're going to go, oh, well, I don't care, but it's Goblins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, I'm a little... Not... That one, to me... Hey, it makes Goblin. It makes a Goblin. That's synergy, man. It does filter a little bit, but like this deck doesn't have quite as much trouble finding what it needs because between matrons and ringleaders. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's just but that. But you do have, like, it's... Every single one of these spells, with the exception of, like, four of them, is, like, if you copy it, it's so Yeah, good. and that's that's that, to me, is the thing, is, like, the floor on this card is high enough that, mm-hmm. like, it almost justifies the ceiling, like, if that makes sense. Like, this card is, like, just solid. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's almost no downside to running it, and then the upside is bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like you wouldn't run like if the if one and two were just mediocre, you wouldn't run this card. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the once a turn kiki jiki isn't good enough. Well, it's it's if the rest of the card sucks. I think it is. The problem is it's once a turn kiki jiki four turns from now. That's the part that kind of kills that card. Yeah, but it's but you also get uh very real acceleration with uh you make a do you make a little two two goblin that when it attacks you make a treasure. Right. Usually good for one treasure. Yeah. And then the ability to sort through and dig is uh is decent. Yeah, and for sure. And it doesn't cost five because like goblins have on and off right just straight straight up ran kiki jiki. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been a fan of that. I just don't think he does enough. He doesn't do enough, and you have to commit five mana to him. Yeah, and it's like hard. that's really hard. I mean, for six mana, you could do Muxus. In case somebody knows what Muxus does, because it's not playable in a lot of things. It's a five. It's a six mana four four. When it ETBs, you look at the top six cards. And then you get to put in any goblin that costs five, five or, or less. less, just straight into play. And then also, when it attacks, it gets plus one, plus one for each other goblin you control. Yeah, it's real. This is one of those cards that you can only make tribal. Yes. Like if it's if it was just if that just said creature. Yeah, it'd be insanely broken. Yes. That there there would be decks. I mean, Turbo Muxus. If it just said every creature comes into play, it would ju- that would be there would be decks dedicated to it. Yeah. There would be Turbo Muxus. Well, no, there decks. wouldn't because they'd be banned. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Probably. Because that, like, the card's good enough and it just says goblins. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine if you were, you know, you start ramping it out, flickering it. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Bring it home, Matt. blue. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up. We're running long and we got to be quick today. Another one that we've never seen before on the podcast. It's It's been a deck. If, you're, if you've been familiar mm-hmm. with Legacy, you know that it's real. Another deck with 34 creatures, too. Slivers. I fucking hate slivers. Slivers. Without a doubt, my least favorite creature type ever made. Five color slivers. Yep. Like, this is amazing. We've got Gale Rider for flying, Plated Sliver for uh, toughness, Striking Sliver for first strike, uh, Cloud Shredder, which is two mana, but gives flying and haste, Crystalline for shroud, Hibernation for bouncing it back to your hand to protect him, um, which is the big thing there. Like, single target stuff. And then, like, he protects the Crystalline Sliver a little bit, and then mm-hmm. the Crystalline Sliver protects it. Um, and then, in worst-case scenarios, it does protect at least some uh, against board wipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, muscle Sliver for size, Predatory Sliver, sliver for size, Sinew Sliver for size, and then Siphon uh, yeah. Sliver for life. Turns out they just printed three different Muscle Slivers. Yep. And then we've got another Aether Vial uh, deck and one Unlicensed Hearse. Yep. I know what I was saying. Uh, you got Cavern of Souls. Basically, you got the the, the tribal lands. So yes. you got Cavern of Souls, uh, Secluded Courtyard, Sliver Hive, which they have their own specific one, uh, which that one actually is cool because you can pay five and make a colorless sliver. Yeah, it's actually a mana dump. Yep. And then you've got Unclaimed Territory. Um, this is how many rainbow lands, like tribal rainbow lands they have. It's also a five-color deck running four wastelands. Yep. <laughs> it's so, pretty easy to hit your colors. Yeah. Um, one more thing about this deck. So on paper, we're looking at around $1,250. Approximately 500 of that is in the sideboard. Yeah. And then another 300 of that is the Cavern of Souls. Yeah. 
So which I'm which I'm really hoping we'll see a reprint in the coming Double Master. We we've got Double Masters two coming out. I think Cavern of Souls is primed for a reprint, yeah, like eighty or ninety bucks piece. Yeah, like it's just like this deck. So you pull that five hundred bucks from the sideboard out. We're looking at seven hundred bucks. You pull those Cavern of Souls down to maybe twenty bucks a piece instead of eighty. We're looking at like a five hundred dollar deck. Yeah, that came in eighth. That that top eight at a showcase. Yeah. So, congratulations. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. This is a pretty cool deck to see. I couldn't be more excited. Like yeah. this was this was a fun top eight. We had three Delvers and that kind of sucks. And the meta breakdown is not great. There's twenty five percent Delver. But like I'm just like like fun deck, fun deck, fun deck, fun deck to talk about. Yeah. So more of this, please. More of this, absolutely. Uh going over the metagame summary, like you said, we do have eight of the top thirty two, the perfect twenty five percent blue red delver. Again, we've got a couple variants in there, mm-hmm. but whatever. Uh Five just listed as other, yeah. so you're gonna looks like slivers is gonna be one of those, just on decks that it doesn't categorize well. These mono red decks, we've got a couple of them. Yeah, it doesn't have red prison or anything like that listed either. Um, then we've got Jeskai Control with four, Stone Blade. Uh, looks like the Cephalid Breakfast actually. Cause, that, well, that counted as Stone Blade. We could have also had yeah. an actual Stone Blade. Yeah. Um, like well. So 13th place was also Cephalid Breakfast. So gotcha. at least two of the three are Cephalid. Gotcha. And then eight cast with two, and then a bunch of one-ofs, yeah. including elves. So, yeah, we're still in there. Uh, most played cards. Ho-ho! Force of Will's down to 62%. Ooh, yeah. Brainstorm's down to 56. Yep. And then Ponder's 56. Expressive Iteration, 34. Swords to Plowshares, 31. Mm-hmm. Um... Top Creatures, DRC, Merktide, Delver, Simeon Spirit Guide, so there's your Red Prison, yeah. and Goblin Rad- Rabble Master, there's your Red Prison as well. That's kind of crazy. Two Red Prison decks or cards making it into the top five creatures. Yep. And then the top spells, the same thing as uh, Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Expressive Iteration, Sword Splashers. So outside of the Delver Menace, Legacy looks fantastic. To be like, if you just cut that in half, mm-hmm. yeah, and just threw in a smattering of, like, realistically, the only thing I'm noticing. Is like, and this makes perfect sense. Combo is really kind of on a slump. Yeah, but combo was in the limelight for a little while too. Yeah. Like, I it's, it's as long as we see that we keep rotating through. I'm okay with that because we had a while there for like, like, uh, uh, reanimator was everywhere. Uh, there was something else that was really calm, but like there were a couple. There were uh, doomsday was everywhere, yeah. and, and so we've, now we've we've pivoted more towards control decks. Yeah, we've that, got with the Delver. Um, no doomsday in the top thirty-two of this. No show and tell. Uh, one ad nauseum, one dredge. So like again, I don't even particularly like playing against combo decks, but they are a yeah vital part of the meta. I like them being there. Yeah, and, and that's that's you know, and we've we've got like what three combo decks in this top thirty two. Yeah, and that's firmly because of blue red delver. Like blue red's well, best matchup is those combo decks. And the meta in general also has pivoted towards these prison decks. Yeah. To and that I mean that just is. You're just fucked if you're playing combo because you've got Delver who's really punishing you for trying to combo, and Prison who just laughs in your face with turn one. <laughs> they laugh at you in Trinosphere. Right. So. <clears throat> so yeah, Legacy right. doesn't look too bad. Let's pop to Modern. Uh, we'll try and go through a little quickly again. We're trying to rush through this, but too much fun stuff to talk about. So uh, Modern on Sunday, first and second place are four color elemental lists. Uh, Conus brought it home in first place with a Yorion 21 creature elemental list running three ephemerate 
running the Eight Planeswalkers, and running a Titania, Protector of Argoth. So this is a Risen Reef package, so we're seeing some real elemental tribalness there. And, you know, we've talked about whether or not we can call it tribal. Like, it's like the Risen Reef is the only tribal payoff you're getting. In my opinion, it's enough to call this deck moving towards a tribal deck because you do have a ton of elementals and legitimate elemental payoff with Risen Reef. But I could see it going both ways for sure. But yeah, three Ephemerate, four Elodomri's Call, other than that, the deck looks pretty much what we expect to see every week. I don't see anything. I, I don't see anything on here that's mm. really. I the Obsidian Charm on the main is one of those that bounces in and out. Um, it's just so strong, though. It's even at five mana, these decks are prepared to go long with the Ice Fang Coatles, with the Solitudes, get the game into the late game, and then Obsidian Charm can come in and just snipe a really important land, especially if you're flickering it to get a couple lands out of the way. Yeah, and having mainboard hate against Tron while in an eighty card deck, um, it is. You do get games that you would not have won otherwise, just because you can race to that to that uh, f- or that Obsidian Charmall, and the two Besage you obviously give you a lot more game in that match as well. Uh, but yeah, anything you see here that's I'm just blatantly missing? No, I don't see anything new or. Yep, these are pretty similar. Like the Titanium Argos is also yeah, kind of that. It... That's like a flex slot we've seen where you're running that five mana five three. It, it probably is that like borderline win more that just like but also has the effect of pulling you out of games you had no right winning. And it's just, like, the fact of the matter, it's just a really good card. It can be. I mean, it, my argument to that would be it's five mana, it better be. Yeah, but, like, five mana with a fetch and you can put ten power yes. on the board. Yes, and that is that is important. Um, but, yeah, like, I think a lot of games you'll, your Titania will just be a win more if you draw it. But there are those handful of games where you, you know, you rip Elodomri's call. You've been stocking your fetches like a good magic player should. And you can Elodomri's call... Pop put 15 power on the board and you're back in this yeah the the only downside with her is she's five mana and she's got three toughness yeah but and, but that's an but to me that's important to that your card if you're gonna run a maybe bad card and uh, bad in playing situations that have that kind of ceiling that's the kind of ceiling i'm talking about yeah. when like i need my card to have a high ceiling the ceiling on titania is it's turn eight i top deck it or eladomri's call and i again uh here's i put well with her 20 power on board your turn yep all of a sudden, your Ragavan and whatever isn't that scary anymore. Uh, I, let's take a peek at that second Elementals list, just in case there's... Because Elementals is who knows. Yeah, it's slightly different. It does have Risen Reef. Um, Magus of the Moon instead of, Titania, uh, instead of Titania. Yeah. Actually, beyond that, though, they look really similar. Yeah, they're, there's, uh, a little different in the mana-fixing territory. We've got Utopia yeah. Sprawls in this one. But like some of the spells are floating around that are a little different. Uh, like Extra Ephemerate... Uh, you know, uh, only one oath. Uh, the creatures is definitely we've lost three or four creatures, including the Titania, including the uh, Ice Fang Quadal. But same plan. The Charm is also gone for what it's worth. But yeah, same plan. Third place, a relatively difficult deck to play. Yog Moth combo. So we've got the traditional everything I expect to see. Uh, for, see for what it's worth, we don't have Snake Lady, whatever her name was. Yep. What's her name? Hepatra. Ipa- Hepatra. We've got the Blood Artist. We've got Blood Artist and what's its name? We don't have. What's the three black? The the traditional. The yeah. traditional win con with this deck is, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like black, black, black. Geralt's Messenger. Yeah, Geralt's Messenger. That's our traditional win con. So is this deck's win con literally Blood Artist and that's it? Other than beats? Um, that's that's a really bold move. Because I mean, like, it literally looks like if I can, re- yeah. I mean, if I can remove your blood artist in any way, 
I don't, you can't, other than drawing a ton of cards. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you got strong beats. You, 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 but you don't win on the spot, which is like this deck's one of the highlights of this deck is you just go, uh, Yagmoth win. Yeah, the Essence Warden does allow you to dig really deep. That's true. So like at that Would you point, you get infinite digs, wouldn't you? Yeah, like obviously you have to worry about mana because you're still trying to cast your spells. But if you have the Essence Warden out, it's still gonna you're probably gonna draw enough cards to probably win the game anyways. Because mm-hmm. um, you're gonna have the you perfect. Could, you could sculpt the hand to survive yeah. a turn or two. But yeah, I mean, without it's, that Blood Artist, you don't get the combo win. Yeah, or the draw match. Yeah, and the draw match are being just out of the deck entirely because it's it's not uncommon to see them run a Blood Artist and Draw's Messenger having that flexibility, but to have just one, bold, bold indeed. Third place was Yagmoth. Fourth place, so fourth and fifth. It's I was talking to Matt about. It's kind of funny. Fourth is labeled Azorius Control, and fifth is labeled Jeskai Control. When you look at the deck side by side, they are. Like card for card, the same deck with the exception of one or two cards, except the Azorius control doesn't run any red pips in the side, and the Jeskai control runs one runs a red pip in the side. Yeah, it runs a crumble to dust. Yeah, that's... which oddly enough has devoid. Also, it doesn't even have a color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was kind of funny. Yeah. So, like uh, fourth and fifth were basically Azorius control lists. Um, the the red pips in these decks are made up by three fire and ice and then maybe one crumbling dust in the side. Yeah. Other than that, this is the control list that has... Um, we usually see the two solitudes and the seven to nine planeswalkers. This is running three snapcaster mage. Both of these are, which is kind of, a, kind of an interesting choice where most of our control deck has been moving away from snapcaster and the insane value you get from it. But both of these pilots decided that snapcaster was worth running. Snapcaster is another one. Uh, with Double Masters 2 coming out, please, God, reprint Snapcaster Mage. That card's like 50 bucks. I guess maybe 40 Yeah, he's 40 It hovers between 40 and $55, and it's like, yeah. please reprint this card. But yeah, seven Planeswalkers, uh, three of the three Fairy, two of the five Fairy, two Wandering Emperor, and then uh, eight Counter Spells, um, f- essentially six-ish removal spells, Fire and Ice and the Prismatic Ending, uh, two Supreme Verdict, and then some Deluge to draw. Or to sweep, a couple dress downs, and then, you know, your main winner, your main close in this game are going to be the Hall of the Storm Giants, or maybe Solitude Beats. Again, this is one of those things where, like, one Hall, it's not a lot, and it's not hard to get your Hall answered. We talked about, I think, last week, how I've played against Hall a lot on Arena, and Ward 4 isn't that much. By the time you can tap... It's Ward 3. Seven. Ward three isn't that much because if you yeah. can tap seven to or it'd be six and it, yeah, I probably it's have effectively seven. I probably seven have six ish mana as well, and so I can find some way to kill it. I mean, the fatal push is one, so for four mana I can push it. Like again, this is one of those like I feel like this deck wins to concedes a lot, where you know you've got you've got your Teferi Hero of Dominaria on like six loyalty. You've plussed it twice. You got tons of mana. You got you're discarding the hand size half the time. And your opponent's like, I'm never going to win. Well, little did you know, neither were they. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also one of those things where it's like, uh, Aspiring Spike says, you know, what sanity points are important. What's your sanity worth? And it is important to recognize when you've lost a game of Magic. Yeah. Especially in uh, game one. That's the big thing. Yeah. If you're a- in game one and they get ahead like that, you want to save like, time. Save time for the next game. Yep. Uh, fifth place was also that Azorius Control, technically Jeskai. Uh, again, almost card for card the exact same list. Like literally one or two of here that are different. That's basically it, though. Sixth place is yeah. literally 
Matt's affinity list. Yep. I mean, with the exception of maybe one or two cards, uh, but like they're not even running the bobbles. Like yeah. this is literally almost your list. So why don't you take a look at this and tell us what you think? Yeah. I don't um, think you were running the Ginger Brute. Uh, actually, I did have one. Oh, did you pick one up? Yeah. Oh, the, I had one when we played. I just never drew him. It's only a one of, mm. um, but he's effectively unblockable. Yes. For a one one. Um, I guess Urza Saga. Oh, so you could. So Urza Saga can go get him, and then you can throw on. Uh, what's your big old fat enchantment? Uh, cranial plating. The cranial plating and yep. make an unblockable big, big. Yeah. So he's really cool. Also, he's cute as hell. Yeah. He's a gingerbread cookie. <laughs> yeah. So gingerbread is one of the most flavorful, pun intended, Yeah. Uh, cards that's been designed uh, in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, that's just good design. It's a good card. It's not broken in any way. It sees play in a couple decks where it's legal, and it's just, it's solid. It's mm-hmm. just well-designed cool. card. Gingerbread's great. If you haven't seen him, he's a one-mana 1-1 one, one with haste. You can pay one, and then he's he can only be blocked by creatures with haste. And he also is a food. He's also a food. So you could pay to tap, sacrifice, gain three life. So you could eat the gingerbread man. Yep. Uh, then you've got, like, Memnites and Ornithopters for just free creatures uh, mm-hmm. to get your affinity count up, uh, Frogmites and... Mirror for Frogmite, Mirror Enforcer, and Sojourner's Companion as your affinity payoffs, along with Thought Monitor and Thought Cast as other affinity payoffs to draw cards. Mm-hmm. So these are all feeding into each other. Then you got a bunch of cheap uh, utility artifacts down here. Basically, like, they're they're good and they're also Urza Saga targets. Correct. So you've got Welding Jars uh, regenerating your dudes. Uh, Ether Spell Bomb, fantastic Urza Saga um, target. Mm-hmm. Just being able to bounce like a Merktide Regen or something. Um, Relic of Progenitus, again, Merktide Regent. Uh, the great thing about a lot of these is they also cycle. Mm-hmm. So you're that's one of the reasons why I personally would want run one Mishra's Bobble. Yep. Like after playing it, I really, a lot of times what you want your Urza Saga to do in this deck is just draw you a card. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ability to do that, like a lot of times, like, you know, you get your Spell Bomb. Yeah, bouncing something is great. Sometimes you just need a card. And Bobble is the best one at that. Yep. Um. Shadow Spear, again, another Saga target. Springleaf Drum for acceleration. Cranial Plating to beat face. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, well, you can't get Cranial Plating. Yeah, that's not a Saga target. But this Cranial Plate, I'm just going down the list. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you got a Nettle, set, Nettle Cyst, which is basically a Cranial Plating with Living Weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the funny thing is when we when I first put that deck together, I this is a good example of how design has changed so much that it didn't occur to me that Treasure Vault was also an artifact land. Like, I was playing it as if it wasn't an artifact land. Oh, you weren't counting it? No. Oh, yeah. Because, like, it, Treasure Vault, to me, I was like, well, it's in there. Most of the deck's colorless. Yeah. It produces treasure tokens that are artifacts. No, it's... Okay. It's, uh, what's the... It's also an artifact land. It's Darksteel Citadel. Yes. Five, six, and seven. And that, like... Obviously, as soon as I saw that, it makes perfect sense. Well, no sense. wonder your deck wasn't as good as it could have been. You were overpaying for everything. But, like, the fact of the matter is, is, like, when you look at the way Affinity, when it first was printed, I mean, Darksteel Citadel is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just, like, you have the, the that one's indestructible and it gets colorless, and then you have the one mana for each uh, color ones, like Seed of Sion and shit like that. That all got banned. Yeah, in modern. That's what be like, like, they were all way too good. Yeah. Uh, it... 
blows my mind. Like it just like I said, it never would it never occurred to me that Treasure oh, Vault I thought would you, be I thought you knew that. Artifact it, was, land. it was a bit it was a big hubbub when it came out because people were talking about how like they've printed another Dark Steel Citadel for the in the ways that matter. Like yeah. it's an untapped artifact land that makes colorless. Yeah. And it didn't take long. Like by the like by the time we got to the game store, I'd known that. Mm, okay. But like when I first got it going, I was just like, Oh well one I mean, whatever. The yeah. deck doesn't spend colored mana except for, you know, yep. Once a turn on a thought cast or a uh, thought monitor. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, the just design has changed so much. Uh, but yeah, then then you got the sideboard. The sideboard's pretty standard as well. Um, nothing super exciting in there, but yeah, I just very happy to see Affinity do well. I was very very cool. upset when I knew it was going to happen, so I sold my Mox Opals. Like I kind of called that one, but I was incensed when they ban Mox Opal as opposed to Urza. Yeah. Guess what? Now we don't, nobody's playing either. Yep. Yeah, both got banned. Both got banned because like Urza's seeing no play yeah. and Mox Opal's banned. So like, yeah, it's almost like if they just banned Urza. Well, I maintain that while well, you're correct, I, there's also, they, I think they were moving modern towards a um, no fast mana format. To me, I don't, now I'll preface this. This was all before Urza Saga. You cannot have Mox Opal. And I, was Urza say, I just thought, like, yeah. Do you think you think Urza Saga would have got Mox Opal banned? It would have either got itself banned or Urza Saga banned. One yeah, of the two. Because when it just tutored out a, a Mox. But like when it was happening, to me, Mox Opal isn't the same as other fast mana. It has very restrictive. Things. Yeah. It doesn't go in any in just any deck. It was basically seeing play in one deck. Yeah, because you you it does nothing unless you've got three other specific right. spells. It's 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 kind of the Muxus or Allosaurus shepherd of Moxes, right? Now it's probably a little bit better relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. But like you have to build a specific type of deck to use this fast mana. So I mean that's all irrelevant because as soon as there's a saga got printed, I was like, well, it's a good thing Mox Opal's not legal. Yeah. <laughs> but, and to be fair, they might have known that. And that's why they made the they choice. Could've, they could have been a part of it. Yeah. They could have seen that like, writing well, on the wall. Uh, it's already broken as heck with Urza Saga and we've got, or with Urza, and we've got Urza Saga coming around the bend. Mm-hmm. So, which one of these two are we going to pick if we know that Mox Opal's going to get banned by Saga anyways? Yeah. So, seventh place is an indomitable creativity list. Uh, I've seen a lot of these lists in the past like six months uh, getting several different things. I saw a really cool one that, this is not this one, that would get Velomachus. It would indomitable creativity into Velomachus. And then the idea was to keep taking infinite turns with like time warp effects. Mm -hmm. But uh, this one obviously does not. It obviously to you. So it uses indomitable creativity or uh, the other one. What's the other one? Wasn't there, isn't there a four mana one that does it? Uh, I guess they're not running it. I thought there was a four-minute one that did it, but Indominal Creativity, red, 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 X. Destroy X target artifacts and or creatures for each permanent destroyed this way. Its controller reveals cards from the top of their library. Until an artifact or creature card is revealed, exile that card. Those players may put the exile cards onto the battlefield. So you sack a few, you sack a creature or an artifact, and then you uh, run through your deck until you hit a creature or an artifact. And you're only... It sounds a lot like um, Cascade-style decks. Yes. And the way you break a Cascade-style deck is you make sure you always hit something really, really good like Sarah's Emissary or Emrakul, the Aeon Torn. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah's Emissary comes in, gives you and your creatures protection from a card type. Clearly the worst hit most of the time, but it's still pretty good. And Emrakul, obviously, 15-15, protection from spells. Hilariously, though, I in fairness, Emrakul is way weaker in modern than it is in legacy 
because modern has solitude everywhere. Yeah. And I actually had it happen where I was playing uh, some modern FNM, and the guy I was playing with, because this deck also runs uh, Nahiri the Harbinger, because you can. Yeah, you can go get one. You can literally go get an Emrakul. You, you, uh, it, her ultimate, she does a bunch of stuff for her, like she loots and then she can destroy some things, but her ultimate, uh, what does it say? You search your library for an artifact or creature card and put it onto the battlefield. And like he activated it and he went and got Emrakul and kind of slammed it down. And he was like, why haven't you conceded yet? And I was like, you going to combat? Solitude. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, oh, it's, shucks. Like Emrakul is actually kind of easy to answer in modern. It is still obviously an incredible power card. And this, these decks are pretty crazy. They're very good, like, uh, tempo-y, controly style decks that mm-hmm. have this kind of really intense combo finish. So you've got things like Prismatic Ending Spell, Pierce Remand, uh, Prismari Command, Lightning Bolt. And then you have uh, 11 Planeswalkers, Ren and Six, Jace, Teferi, uh, this Nahiri. And you also get to run a really cool card that just, like, sees play in literally one deck, but it's Hard Evidence. One blue for a sorcery, you make a 0-3 crab token, and you investigate. So you get a clue token. Yep. So you get two instances of the thing you need. Yes. Because the the big thing here, if you're just looking at this deck, you go, well, how the hell am I ever going to cast Indomitable Creativity? Because you don't want to run artifacts, because yep. you're going to hit them. And you don't want to run creatures, because yep. you're going to hit them. So what are you going to do? you got to rely on your opponent to play a creature that you can then sp- spend four mana to kill it. Like, that's the only alternative. Well, it doesn't even get that, but like, I guess I was reading the card wrong. Yeah, um, it's controller. Gets it's to controller, do it. but uh, so scratch that. But like, you have to give your, you have to get something out, and you don't want yeah. it in there. You hard have, evidence is like the perfect yeah. card for you that. You need spells that create create things you can sacrifice because you can't hit. You can't have any permanence that you could hit, and it can't be just one. Because just making one crab not in enough. a format where fifty percent of the decks are lightning yep. bolt decks is not gonna yep. cut it. You're gonna need and this the immediate two for one you get out of this. Uh oddly enough, Prismari Command also can do that because you get to make a treasure token. There you go. So like you give you have you have you've got six things to make tokens, and amongst those six things you're making up to nine tokens. Uh, but this is an interesting deck that like I said, I I saw running Velomachus as a fun um infinite turns deck. It wasn't infinite, but it was like enough, enough turns to win. Yeah. This is obviously a little bit of a different take on it, but the Indomitable Creativity list is is a cool list that I like seeing pop up. This is one of those things like we haven't seen a deck like this pop up since Lurus got banned. This is a really fun, interesting, way different deck. And don't forget the best card in the deck, Dwarven Mine. Oh, I for- yes. <laughs> I forgot. You have Dwarven Mine that also it makes It gives you dwarves. a dwarf. <laughs> yep. It ETVs, and if you've got like three other... Uh, what should we call it? It's mountains. You get to make a 1-1 one, one dwarf. Well, it gets you the dwarf one way or the other. It comes into play untapped if you have three or more mountains. No. When it, when it, when an ETB is untapped, you make a dwarf. RTFC. Oh, I didn't. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that card's really bad. It is. <laughs> I was it, like, well, I was looking at that. I was like, well, you know, I mean, it's a mountain that comes into play tapped if... Do you, you know what I find funny? Hmm. That is the... Uh, uh, is the uh, What's the blue one? Mystical... Uh, that's the mystical sanctuary. That's the mystical cycle? sanctuary one. That's the other mystical sanctuary. No, got, there's no blue bias in magic. <laughs> yeah, mystic yeah. sanctuary. Blue gets mystical sanctuary. And a, gets which because this is also a mountain, so it's fetchable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got if it if you have three of the mountains, you can have a one one. And yeah. blue is like. If you've got three other islands, you can have any instant or sorcery. Yeah, you can put expressive iteration on the top of your deck. Or entreat the angels. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's Good the Lord. same. Those are the same. That That is the, the red version of that, Mystical Sanctuary. 
That's sad. And then eighth place is a Boros Burn list. We've actually been seeing Boros Burn come in every single week with one of the top eight for the last like three weeks, which is awesome. Uh, Twelve creatures we expect to see: Goblin Guide, Monster Swift Spear, Eidolon. The twelve I expect that Matt has taught me to expect. And then the spells you expect as well: so yep. Skewer, Rift, Skullcrack, Searing, Lightning, Boros, Lightning Bolt, and Spike. Yeah. Um, I think the newest card that this has got, I could be wrong on the exact dates of these, is probably Sunbaked Canyon, which is just the... Oh, uh, Screw the Critics is after that. Which one? Screw the Critics. Okay, I, yeah, I don't know the, the order that these sets the, get, Yeah, the, but neither one of these are... This list, basically what I'm getting at is this list is like at yeah. least a year old. Yeah, it's got nothing recently. It's got nothing new. Um, yeah, the Sunbaked Canyon is... I guess it's MH1? That's probably close to Ravnica. This is like the last time we hit Ravnica yeah, with Skewer, so we I could be hairs. wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty much nothing special in that, other than a cool Boros Burn list. So, metagame summary. Merktide Regent with five decks at 15.5%. Man, I wish Delver capped at 15 to 16%. I was right by six months. Suck it. <laughs> Uh, Ravnica Allegiance came out on January 25th of 2019. Modern Horizons was June 14th of 2019. <laughs> it's okay. We're just splitting hairs as I look it up to rub your face in it. Yes. <laughs> Second most popular deck, Elementals with three, ten, uh, 9.5%. Yawgmoth, 9.5%. Azorius Control would technically be at three because it had that, that Jeskai. Yeah. So we're looking at 6 to 9%. Blue Living End, 6%. Blink, 6%. And Death Shadow, 6%. Yeah, if, I would love it if the Legacy metagame to look like one 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 on two 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 a couple threes and a five like and yeah like like you said though just take that top deck and just trim the like three to four decks each week off of it and drop it into a one of yep um and then you end up some with something like this where you just have an awesome metagame yeah and the the get throw a little more turn in the top eight as well so most played cards counterspell prismatic ending lightning bolt to fairy and ragavan wow that's the three control cards up there in the top eight yep. or in the top five i'm glad to um this was something a lot of people were worried about was murktide lists just taking over modern mm-hmm. and you've got ragavan is the most played creature in the format um and he's not even in the top eight so good yeah it's good uh top creatures ragavan solitude endurance omnath dragon rage channeler hey we have one of them that aren't mh2 Top spells, counterspell, prismatic ending, lightning bolt, Teferi, expressive iteration. So let's hop over. Uh, let's do, um, we're going to do something a little different this week. I've got a, well, I'll ask Matt. Um, we've got about 15 minutes more for the episode, 10 to 15 minutes. And then we wanted to do, we, we'll do 20 or 30 minutes in the Patreon exclusive. I have a fun brew with a new spoiler that came out today. We can either do that now and then do Pioneer in the Patreon, or we can do Patreon now, or we can do... Uh, pioneer now and do the brew in the patreon what do you think which one's gonna be faster um probably the pot probably the pioneer we can run through yeah. pioneer pretty quick and then we can go a little a little deeper into plus no one no one listening gives a shit about my dumb brews yeah well so. they must be pretty smart then <laughs> so pioneer huh <laughs> just kidding jake i'm i jake and i jake loves to brew and i'm a bit of a skeptic on a lot of the stuff he brews. I think what we're going to be talking about does potentially actually mm-hmm. have legs. It's a like, cool card. It's a cool card. The deck itself has a history of performing reasonably well enough in Legacy. That's all we'll tease it about it. Yeah. Um, but if you want to find out, just listen to us on Patreon yep. where we talk about yep. that. Uh, but yeah, let's go to Pioneer. So uh, 
we'll run through the decks pretty quickly. So we'll try and do 10, 15 minutes on Pioneer this week. So we've got in first place, Rakdos mid-range with Zerk. So I want to take a look here before I commit to it. So this is not Rakdos Sack, which is the Rakdos deck that I see do the best on uh, various YouTube channels I watch. So this is just like Rakdos value. I mean, yeah. it's, it's called Rakdos mid-range, but yep. it's just like good value cards. Things like uh, Graveyard Trespresser, Bone Crusher Giant, Blood Tithe Harvester, a nice 3-2 that makes a treasure token. Kroxa, a very good finisher mm-hmm. and game threat. Cards obnoxious in yes. a good way. It, yeah, it's it's strong. It's everything Uro should have been. Um, and then you've got uh, Kalidus, Trader of Get, as your final creature there. Uh for the I was gonna say four mana Chandra, but that's like five of them. So Chandra, Torch of Defiance, and Sorn the Mirthless. So you got is the a, red Jace. Is a little more interesting uh pickup that you, we don't see as much in these decks. Like Sorn the Mirthless is making a lot of waves in standard, but I haven't seen him making waves in Pioneer yet. So he's comes in. His plus one is you get to uh, Dark Confidant, essentially, but you get to choose. So you look at the top card. And then you may reveal it, take damage equal to its CMC and put it in your hand, or you don't have to. Yep. And then his minus two is he makes a two, three black vampire with flying yeah, and lifelink. He life makes a, va- a vampire nighthawk. Without death touch, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. Good lord. I know. Come on. That uh, was too much. Now, I would probably be, if the people who know me, I'm probably the last person you'd expect to go, like, hey, make a planeswalker a little better. <laughs> but come on, guys. I know. <laughs> I know we couldn't give Vampire Nighthawk Death Touch really. Whatever, yeah. I, especially at four, like it's four mana and the minus. I now know. I get that the, he was probably designed after the Oko fi- fiasco, so maybe they didn't want to. They probably were like, "Well, we should probably not push Planeswalker yeah. super hard." But like, yeah. what we don't know is he used to cost three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give that guy Death Touch. Come yeah, on. I know. And then uh, you his... can always just ban him later. Yeah, that's the mentality, or at least yeah. it was for about a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, and then minus seven is it deals 13 damage to any target. You came 13 life. That's either never going to happen or it ends the game. Yep. And then in your spells, we've got uh, some hand disruption. Uh, we've got a lot of hand disruption and a lot of removal. That's that's all these spells. It, they're either getting in your hand or they're killing your creatures. And Fable the Mirror Breaker. So just doubling up on these, again, insanely high-value creatures. What's better than one? Two of them. Yep. Um, other than that, that's basically the list. I don't think we've seen like a. I don't think we've gone through a Rakdos mid range deck, so it's kind of wanted to go through that a little more. Second place, Naya mid range, better known as Winota, the deck that should be banned according to some very popular podcast that I incredibly disagree with. Yep. Not the podcast on its entirety, just the idea that we have to ban Winota because, you know, Winota has a good matchup against like. It has a good matchup against mid range and aggro. How they. I mean, don't get me wrong, I get that it has a pretty bad matchup against combo decks and control decks, but it's good against two archetypes, so we should probably ban it. Jake's not salty about this at all. No, it's, <laughs> I get that it's. Dude, I've had four fucking decks banned. <laughs> I know. Well, hey, uh, at least with Winota. This is the thing that drives me nuts. Like, I could understand Winota. Like, I, I don't like it. I don't agree with the impulse to keep banning stuff. Hidden Strings is nowhere. <laughs> At <laughs> least was, they didn't talk They well, didn't talk about Hidden Strings directly in the podcast see, that's I'm talking of. What, what you're going through right now is every time someone talks about banning Allosaurus Shepard. Yeah. Where I'm like, what the hell, guys? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is my card not fun for you to play against? One in 20 fucking matches? <laughs> right. Go away. <laughs> That's how I feel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My deck's 5% of the meta. But I don't like it when I lose to it. Tough shit. Right. 
Elvish Mystic Land of War Elves. Uh, this is the deck. Yeah, the, it, this, this, this is deck. It. It's running the Blade Historian. I th- If I was going to build this deck, I would 100% put at least one, maybe two Blade Historian. Yeah. Uh, I think that card is such a great hit. It's a four mana two three that gives your attacking creatures double strike. Yeah, try to be broken, guys. That's what you need to be doing. Yes, I mean if you think about it, if you can attack with three and like we'll just sculpt it, but like if you were to hit fucking Tovalar's Huntmaster and Blade Historian, you now have a six six and a two three with double strike. That is so, and that's like we're we're quickly approaching what was going to be a rough attack to GG. Uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker, Seekers Chariot, Elders Evolution. Nothing in here special, I don't think. Third place is a Boros Aggro list. So we've seen some like, um, what's the word, Matt, when they uh, cast a spell? Prowess. prowess. We've seen some prowessy lists. This isn't really prowess. Apparently, oh, I know. Arcanist. Yeah. I was gonna say Scouter TF2 heard you talking about it and found a way to put Dreadhorde Arcanist again. One of the most broken cards ever printed into a pioneer deck. So yeah. we've got favorite hoplite, hoplite, which is uh, whenever you cast a spell at targets it, it gets a plus one, plus one counter and prevents all the damage that would be dealt to it. So you can build it. You got Monster Swift Spear, Soul Scar Mage, Dreadhorde Arcanist, Illuminator Virtuoso. So a two mana one, one with double strike. Oh, he's good. And when it becomes the target of a spell or ability, you connive. So anytime you target him, you get to draw one, discard one. If you're discarding spells this way, he's getting bigger. So he's already a double striker. So that's those are good stats. Two mana for double strike and the ability to grow. That gets out of hand quickly. Yeah. And then 10th District Legionnaire, a two mana 2-2 two, two with haste. And uh, whenever you target it, it gets a plus one, plus one counter and you scry one. So this is... This is like this is like tribal pump spells. This might be my deck. Yeah. I like Well, this is how Dreadlord Arkness was like. I think this is how Dreadlord was designed in a va- yeah. like this is what they designed him to do. Is you play pump cuz there's tons of one mana pump spells in every format. You play Dreadhorde, you pump him, you get to pump him again or pump something else. I'm really like this is obviously I didn't know I don't know Pioneer well enough to like brew in the traditional sense cuz uh-huh. I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge of the format. Uh-huh. But like when I was I was on social media talking about this and our like Facebook group and the Discord and stuff. Like Dreadhorde Arcanist to me is like an um, it's absurd yep. that it doesn't see play. It's worth looking at. It's worth looking at. Now, obviously what we had talked about and I came to realize is like there's no cantrips the, that are the, worth it. The ceiling is the ceiling is only as high as what you're getting. And that's mm-hmm. kind of obvious. And obviously with Pioneer the ceiling is much lower than it is in Legacy mm-hmm. because your can the cantrips are the big ones. Yep. And you don't all you also don't have lightning bolt, but this is really exciting to mm-hmm. me. And one of the cool things about it, so I don't normally like money is an issue. It's money isn't money, money is money is finite. Money's finite, and it's not not an issue. So like I don't want to drop seven hundred dollars on a deck mm-hmm. and hate it or yeah. not like the format or it gets banned because people are still talking about banning cards. In fairness, probably closer to four or five hundred dollars. But still, the, well, the ones I was looking at were the upper tier of them, mm-hmm. and I don't have the problem is I don't have hardly any of the cards because I I never buy packs. Yeah, you have some of the mana bases probably. The That's mana it. base I have all I have four sacred foundries. I have four inspiring bandages. Yep. I would need to buy a couple of the flip lands, and mm-hmm. we're good to go. Yeah, like. <laughs> That's where most of the money this, is too. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. This deck is two hundred and eleven dollars, and one hundred and sixty of it is cards I already have. So and look at these one dollar, four dollar. These are play sets. $5. I already have monastery spears. That's hilarious. I already have Dreadhorde Arcanist. Yeah. You should build this and come to Monday Night Pioneer. I might actually. 
Yeah, throw it together. To be perfectly honest, that like this and here's one more point for this deck. It's gonna shit all over mine. <laughs> this deck's gonna wreck you. Yes, it is. It oh, you're abs- not gonna do anything for four turns straight? <laughs> cool. Take four. Take five. Take nine. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, Game two. Is, this is probably the first deck that really like there was with Pioneer, there's like a lot of decks that I was like, oh well, that's similar to something I've played before. Uh-huh. A I mean, this is, uh, it's not totally unique, but like, this is something that no other format has. Yep. Like this, this deck is unique to Pioneer. Yeah. This, this archetype is unique to Pioneer and B, it gets to use a couple of the cards I really wanted to use. Yeah. And it's cheap. So it's ticking a lot of boxes for me. I don't know if it's legal, but you should look into this. So, favorite hop hoplite. There is another card that I th- uh, it's it's heroic. So it was in the same set, so it should be legal. Instead of it getting plus one plus one, it makes one ones. Yeah, you should well, think you, about that. Well, that's the whether the other or not you want to go tall or wide. The uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Jake has a feather EDH deck. One of my favorite EDH. So, decks. like I've seen a lot of these type of effects yes. around. So this tribal targets. Yeah. Um, I don't know why you getting excited reminded me of last night because we'll do another tangent. So I was talking to this guy about building stuff, and so he's, he's on- got feather in the side. <laughs> yes, yeah. I am building this deck. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope. <laughs> That's amazing. So I was talking with this guy, and I was helping him kind of build a deal deck. And he has only replayed Commander, right? So he keeps listing cards, and he's like, "Can I run Reanimate?" And I'm like, "No." Can I run? Uh, can I run Entomb? No. Can I run Animate Dead? No, because he wants he wants to play Black. Yep. And I was like, "Guys, you need to remember." you're sitting here playing you guys are playing vintage yeah like you're playing vintage power level cards like you're trying to go to pioneer and this is going to be definitely unfortunate for you the power level is going to go way down yeah from you can run com- portable hole <laughs> yeah well he's like can i run tutors and i was like none of them that you want to i promise <laughs> none of the ones you're thinking of nope <laughs> demonic tutor vampiric tutor nope. nope uh grim tutor is legal but In like pioneer uh yeah because it was like m19 oh was it Oh, that's cool. Like, it, group, it, it, it was a course is about where it needs to be. Yeah. But it was just funny. He's, he's just like, oh, what tutors can I run? None. The answer yeah. is none. None of the good ones. None of the good ones. But yeah, I was like, you guys, you're playing, you guys play vintage and like commander's vintage guys. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this deck looks pretty dope. You that's, should build this. That's super exciting. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, of course, running Alpine Moon. I hate that card. That yeah. shit's all over me. Yep. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> why, why do you even need it? Come on. <laughs> well, the big thing probably is for, it's not, probably not even got anything to do with you. It's Nick Thos. Yeah, it, it def- well, it's for sure I mean, both. I know, but like yeah, this deck it all, already it also hits Nick though. Like really you hard. would bring it in against Lotus Field, but this deck has a great matchup anyways. Yeah. Like if if Nick Thos wasn't in the format, I wouldn't run Alpine Moon. That's fair. For this. For this, yeah. For, you're not... for your deck. Yeah. I wouldn't sideboard against Yeah. Because you will you will have a hard time against we were talking about, you'll have a hard time against those green like decks are gonna give Because they're just gonna, gonna be a problem. They're gonna get a three three or a four four down and go, Good fucking luck. Have fun attacking. Um uh, fourth place is a blue red list. Uh, this is almost certainly going to be a well. I was going to say a thing in the eyes, but this is a, this is blue red aggro. So we've got monastery swift spear, soul scar mage, sprite dragon, and ledger shredder. This new powerhouse of a card that is already at what fifteen sixteen dollars a piece now. Sprite dragon's another card I was talking about. Yep, that's one. Of those, it's a really powerful card. You should look at running it. So consider opt like all the one mana things you want to like literally just a bunch of one mana and spells. four treasure crews that and four treasure crews four treasure crews four expressive iteration seems to be where you want to be. <laughs> I had my <laughs> I was playing against a thing in the ice deck there and I and I had my <laughs> I had my dig through time Narset reversal. No, 
Oh, I know. <laughs> and then on his turn, he played he played Treasure Cruise. <laughs> I was like, Did you just concede. I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> it felt bad. Uh, I'm going. These, I'm trying to go these quickly. Fifth place was Mono Blue Spirits. Uh, this is pretty close to the Mono Blue Spirits list you actually get out of the box. Obviously, there's some additions here, some upgrades, but like Odawara and Brazen Borrower, but pretty close to what you're going to be getting out of the box for Mono Blue Spirits. Mono Green Ramp. This is that Nykthos list we were talking about a minute ago where you're just slamming these like three mana four fours and uh, five mana five sixes, uh, two mana zero threes, and a bunch of Planeswalkers that give you insane mana advantage and uh, pips for your Nykthos. And eighth place was another Mono Blue Spirits list. So, metagame summary. Hey, that deck that we should probably ban uh, podcast I'm talking about, Naya Winota did, was 9% of the meta. Three of the top 32. It's probably too good. We should probably ban that because it's not fun to play against. Boros Aggro in third place. Mono Green Ramp. Uh, it's not third place. Three decks. Uh, Mono Green Ramp, three decks. Red Aggro, three decks. Nine and 9.5% each. And then Mono Blue Spirits with two. And then a bunch of twos and ones. Most played cards, or most played, is this, sorry, most played cards. Swift Spear, Consider, Soulscar Mage, Ledger Shredder in fifth, which Ledger Shredder definitely belongs in this Pioneer format. Oh, for sure. Like, it it, it maybe could be Legacy. It might be Modern. Definitely Pioneer. Basically, the way I look at it is the long, the further back you go, the, the, it's, the worse the, it kind of gets. The worse it gets, yeah. Yeah. Uh, top creatures, Swift Spear, Soulscar Mage, Ledger Shredder, Elvish Mystic, Llanowar Elves. It's kind of funny. Llanowar Elves and Elvish Mystic are usually first and second. Now they're fourth and fifth. Top spells, Consider, Opt, Play with Fire, Reckless Rage, Mystical, Dispute. All righty. Uh, I think we got everything. Uh, let's kind of get to our wrap-up because we got to get a, we got to get this uh, sweet, sweet bonus content. And I'm actually excited to talk about this brew with you. So... Uh, as we wrap our episode up today, again, thank you to our patrons, Derek and Joe, at the Family Gathering Podcast. Uh, with their subscription to our Patreon comes a plug every week that you guys should check out the Family Gathering Podcast. We've actually worked with Derek many times. We were on the Family Gathering Podcast a month or two ago. It's a really great podcast where they get with their kids and they do a lot of popper and commander-oriented stuff, but it's all about getting their kids into magic and kind of learning magic with them again. It's a lot of fun. The Planesuckers Podcast over at twitch.tv forward slash Podcast. Monday for Standard, Wednesday for Commander, discord.playingsuckerspodcast.com. Check them out for playing in those Commander games, being a part of a great community, including our community, and maybe getting into some win-a-box tournaments where you could just win a free box of whatever new Standard legal set is coming out. You want to hit us up, cantripcartel at gmail.com, cantripcartel, or sorry, at cantripcartel on Twitter, Facebook group Cantrip Cartel, Instagram Cantrip Cartel. We're Cantrip Cartel everywhere. Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Matt, did I forget anything? I think you got it all. Alrighty. Well, in that case, I think we will see you guys next week. Have a nice night, guys. So I'll uh, move to combat. Uh, I'm going to uh, cast Play With Fire targeting you. And then I'm going to attack with my Dreadhood Argonist. I'm going to flashback Play With Fire targeting you. But that's what I was going to do. <laughs> 